this is the very last week of this series, and I'm, I'm uh, kind of sad because I've enjoyed every week of it, um, even the week that I wasn't here. I was in Peru, and Marvin spoke. It was awesome. You guys remember that, I'm sure. And, uh, but this is the last week. We are going to be moving on from this, but I want us to finish strong. In fact, you guys know I'd like to give a sermon in a sentence. That is my sermon in a sentence tonight. Finish strong. We've been talking about how a believer should approach their faith like a runner running a race with a focus on the finish line ahead of him or an athlete that's competing in the games, maybe even a gladiator who is uh, fighting in the arena. A gladiator fighting in the arena understands that his time in the arena is not a game. It's a battle of life and death. He may make it out alive or he may not. You know, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. He said, I have finished the race. And he says, I have kept the faith. I love that. That's my favorite part. I have kept it. I have kept the faith. And I believe when he said, I have kept the faith, that it is connected. That word kept is connected to a part of a distance race called the kick. Bob mentioned it earlier. Remember, we talked about how living a life of faith in Jesus isn't a sprint. It's not over in a flash. It's more like a marathon. It's a race that has you on the road a while. And so the kick, the kick is about the last part of a distance race. The part of the race that comes at the end. The part of the race when a mature runner, an experienced runner, and I'll say this, a prepared runner is able to pull from the depth of every physical, even mental and emotional fiber within himself and explode with a force of energy that's been reserved for that moment. Everybody say reserved. I have kept the faith. Interesting that that word kept in its original language, it's the word terio, and it means to attend to carefully. It means to guard. It means to preserve. And that word can even be used to mean to reserve. Now think about this. A runner has to be careful to attend to his training or her training. A runner must guard himself. He must guard his, uh, must guard his diet. Whenever I was in high school, there was a meet in Lindale, and I was going to be running in the two mile at the beginning of the meet and the mile at the end. Well, how many of you know, if you've ever been to a track meet, it's a long time between the two mile and the mile, and a man gets hungry. And so about an hour before the race, dude, I was starving and a little afraid that I wouldn't have the energy to run the race. And so I ate this big old giant hamburger and french fries from the concession stand. So you guys are laughing. You already see the dilemma, right? Okay, so I get into the mile race, and I'm about two laps in. I've told this story before, so some of you remember this. I was about two laps into the race, and 
I was leading the pack. I was leading the race. And then pretty soon I'm in the middle of the pack. And pretty soon after that, I'm even at the back of the pack struggling to keep up. And one of the coaches on the sidelines, you know, the coaches kind of follow you on parts of the race on the sideline, talk to you, encourage you, spur you on. But this coach, who just happened to be Brian Lackey's father, Brian, raise your hand, Coach Lackey, <laughs> Herring, what's wrong with you? Because I was the favorite in the race. It's like, Coach, I got a cramp. If he had only known, he'd been like, you think, you know. But I had a bad cramp. Now, here's what Coach Lackey says to me. Just toot it out and win the race. <laughs> I'll be honest, he didn't actually use the word toot, but we don't want to be crude in this place. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, so I'm running. And I won't tell you exactly if or anything did or did not come out. But what I will tell you is that I pushed past the pain. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Not only did I catch up to the pack, I found my kick, and I won the race. I pulled something out of somewhere that I did not even know existed, and I won the race. And I immediately had a district-winning time. In fact, I'll never forget Coach Klein saying, Harry, I believe we found your race. (laughs) Now, that was Coach Klein's way of saying, well done. Remember what we've said throughout this series. Our goal isn't just to walk across the finish line of eternity into heaven. Our prize is to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we get there. Amen? Will I be ready to hear those words at the end of days? The day that Jesus comes back and I stand before him. And you guys, I'll be honest, I think that day is closer than we even realize. But also, will I be ready to hear those words at the end of a day, the end of every day, especially a challenging day? Or will I hear those words at the end of a challenging season of my life? You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6, 6 through 8, Paul says this, the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Don't you love his confidence? There is, I hope there is, no, there is a crown of righteousness awaiting me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all of those who love and long for his appearing. Paul knows that he's coming to the end of his life, and he's saying, I have given it everything that I had, which is consistent with what he told the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that all in a race, all the runners run? All of the runners in a race run, but only one gets the prize. So run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul has in mind that he has done everything he could to receive the prize. He has ran or run in such a way as to receive the prize. He's saying, I I, I warmed up, I stretched, I paced myself. I ran appropriately with the packs around me. These are all things that we've talked about throughout this series. If you haven't been here for that, I encourage you, go back. It wasn't always me talking and sharing. We heard from a lot of people. 
And not everybody was athletes. Some that are going and venturing into areas of their life, physically, mentally, emotionally, because we've talked about how we are body, soul, and spirit as believers in Jesus. Some people that are venturing out in one of those three areas and some in all. And they're experiencing amazing things because they're depending upon the grace of the Lord to empower them along the way. Amen? He said, I've breathed deep. We talked about that one week, breathing in deep. He's done all these. I've done all of it. I fought the good fight, finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, obviously, he says this and he's still alive. So the race isn't quite over. But what's implied here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 is that he also had in reserve a kick. He didn't intend to finish this race without receiving the crown of righteousness. He said, I will receive the crown of righteousness. I will be awarded that. I will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, from Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians 9, he goes on to say, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. He says, they get it. They, um, They do that. They go into strict training to receive a crown or a wreath or a prize that'll fade away, that's perishable. He says, but we do it to receive a crown or wreath that will last for eternity or that is imperishable. Paul always had eternity's reward on his mind, even at the very end of his life. Some of the most difficult, tough, hard, mental, emotional, physical moments of his life. And listen, I am sure that if he were here and you asked him to reflect back on those days, The days where he said these words, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I'm going home, baby. Reflect on on that with us, Paul. I remember. It was a tough season of my life, and I was tired. But he would tell you, but I did not grow weary. Think back on some of the things we've heard Paul say. To the Thessalonians, he said, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary. In doing good, do not grow weary in well-doing. He told the Galatians, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. Did you know, everybody look at me, that weariness will kill your kick. Everybody say that. Weariness will kill. One more time. You know what weariness is? Weariness is the loss of heart in the midst of fatigue. That's what weariness is. It's the loss of heart in the midst of fatigue. It's when your heart loses hope. You can be tired, but not lose heart. It's possible. Did you know that? You can be tired and not lose heart. You can be fatigued, but still have hope to win. Isn't that good news? It's the truth, but a heart that loses hope is less likely to see God do exceedingly abundantly above any and everything we could think or imagine. So like a a kick to a runner is equivalent to hope for the believer. Let me say that again. A kick to a runner, a distance runner, is like hope 
for the believer. It's a place that we get into in our head, that we get into in our heart, that convinces us of an awesome outcome. Not a miserable outcome. Not a, not a bleak outcome. An awesome outcome. And it brings us fortitude of faith in the midst of fear and fatigue. That's what hope does. There's a very famous runner named Steve Magnus. He's been called the mad scientist of running. I could tell you all about him. Google him. He's great. In talking about the kick, here's what he says. Can I read a few things to you? In talking about the kick, he says, while the physiology of a fast finish is important, he says the psychology is equally critical. Athletes wanting to run faster toward the end of a race can make the mistake of trying to force a kick. This causes runners to tense up, change their gait, slow themselves down. In order to run faster, try to relax. Shake it out, says Magnus. One of the best things you can do is to just drop the arms, open up the hands, and shake them out for a second. I love that posture. I find myself in that posture sometimes during worship, just hands down, opened up. What a great, just relaxing, just relaxing in the presence and the grace, the mercy, the empowerment of the Lord. He says, shake them out for a second. He says, the neck, the shoulders, and the jaws are areas liable to harbor tension. So take a deep, yawning breath with your mouth wide open and make sure your neck isn't craning forward. You know what's interesting? I actually learned this last week. I didn't plan on saying this, but think about that neck craning forward. Scripture talks about, especially for Israel all the time, how they were stiff-necked people. How many of you know in, 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 when it talks about the end times, in the last days, people will be going to and fro. You guys ever heard that? They'll be going to and fro. You know what that literally means? That they'll be, be pressing forward. That they're just kind of pressing forward. Pressing forward really without regard and without relax. Remember, we're talking about the end of things. We're talking about what it takes to finish strong, even at the end of this age. Are we a stiff-necked people? And are we, are we just trying, are we just leaning in with our neck, which is kind of a symbol in Scripture for pride? I don't know if you knew that. It's interesting, so interesting. That was free. He says, keep your breathing controlled. Don't let yourself overstride. And aim for for a faster turnover with your legs. Then he says, instead of obsessing over times and splits, move your focus to sustaining the effort. This is good. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? Remaining calm and controlled and envisioning your legs pushing off the ground and exploding with each stride. Staying relaxed when fatigued, when fatigued, staying relaxed when fatigued is a skill that, just like any other, needs to be practiced. The key is to get it so imagined that you don't press when it's time to go, Magnus says. Many athletes find that after putting all the ingredients together, the kick comes naturally when the time comes to use it. I could preach about five to ten sermons in that one quote. Isn't that good? Now listen. 
If I am weary in some way, one way or another, I have not been keeping my faith. Can I just say that? Can I say that boldly before this congregation of Christians that have gathered in his name to be built up in him, to do the works of the ministry, to press on towards the goal to win the prize? Let me tell you that. If I am weary one way or the other, in some way, I have not been keeping my faith. I have not preserved a reserve within me. Instead, I'm probably obsessing about my times, my splits, my performance, focusing on something that's insignificant. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's like, let us hold fast to this faith. Let us hold fast, fast to the confession of our hope. Because he's, it's not like he's not going to come through. He who is promised is faithful. The core of our faith is that God is faithful to bring about his promises. Amen? I mean, I don't mean to get Pentecostal on you, but I'm about to. Are y'all listening to me? The core of our faith is that he is faithful to bring about his promises. Promises of what? That he'll protect us. That he's going to provide for us. That he who began a good work in us will be faithful to finish strong in our own lives. Philippians 1.6, right? Think of it this way. God himself, as it relates to getting us to the finish line, has an awesome kick. So even when you, and the scripture even tells us, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Even when we don't quite think we have it, we do. I read recently, I think it was from a Navy SEAL. I was talking with someone about it too, that just when we think we are done, done, I ain't got no more we have about 40% left that we don't even know is there. That's amazing. This is what we're talking about, that reserve. So Paul says, so we don't lose heart. That's what he says, 2 Corinthians 4. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. That's a description of hope, faith and hope. For the things that are seen are transient. Your Bible might say temporary. Not only the troubles in this life, this life is temporary. A blip on the map of eternity. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Temporary or eternal? Temporal or eternal? So here's what I want to end with tonight. It's just a question, and I'm going to answer it, because you may be asking this question. You may be always asking this question. You may have been asking this question for a long time. How do we renew our inner self day by day? That's what he says. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. How do we do that? How do we renew ourselves Day by day. How do we build up that reserve 
and preserve it for that exact moment that we need it. That moment when most would lose heart. How many of you are just looking forward to losing heart? Like, well, my goal at the end of five years, my, my five-year plan is to make my way to being in a place where I just always lose heart. It's the furthest thing from our mind. What we hope for in the future is that awesome stuff that we were talking about. But we find ourselves after a month or a year or, or five years or ten years of goals and things that we want to go for. And, and you know, um, Scripture says hope deferred makes the heart grow faint or sick. And a lot of times, the reason that we've, our hope's been deferred is not because he's not faithful. It's because we haven't been doing the thing. We haven't been building up that reserve. Those times in our lives that are difficult, those, those moments when we get cramps and we just need to push them out. I mean, Tony, how dumb was it to go eat a big old burger right before the race anyway? You're about to run a mile as hard as you can. Four and a half minutes of explosive... <laughs> it's not smart. And listen, we do the same thing in this race of faith. We do things that aren't smart, that aren't wise. And then at the end of a season, at the end of, a, of, of whatever, we find ourselves without hope and weary because hope deferred makes the heart grow faint. But I can promise you this, if you hear nothing else, when we are in a place of hopelessness, when we've lost hope, here's what you can take to the bank. That's Texas for you can count on it. It's never the Lord's fault. He's never the one responsible. If you are hopeless tonight, in whatever, I can promise you he's faithful. If you are without hope, if you are in that place of of weariness, I'm not talking about tired. You can be tired, but still have hope. You can be fatigued and still think, I'm going to win. Did you see the race that I just watched? What were those ladies thinking? They were not favored to win. Isn't that what I'm understanding? Yeah, Bob said they should have got sixth or seventh place. Not only did they win, oh my gosh, they blew it away. Because they had this reserve. And I can promise you that it was exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what they could have ever thought or imagined would have come out of them in the midst of that pressing race. And I can't help but notice, forgive me, I'm a pastor, the hurdles they were jumping along the way. Some hurdles that landed them in water. Feet wet, soggy. That's not fun to run. I mean, maybe I'm saying and preaching the obvious. How do we build our reserve and preserve it for those difficult moments when most would lose heart? I'm going to quote two great men of the Bible. One is King David in a very difficult time of his life. And it was difficult because he went out and ate the burger. Picking up what I'm laying down? 
And he couldn't stop at the burger. He also had too many french fries. (laughs) When he was called out for that, his response to the Lord was humble, and he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain within me a willing spirit. Jesus himself said, you ever found yourself in that place, in that place of weariness, fatigue, without hope to carry on? Jesus offers everything to you. Look what he says in Matthew 11. Come to me. Who? All you who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. That's another way of saying I will refresh you. I will renew you. I will restore you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. 